Hello and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters, a podcast discussing everything Star Wars 5e. My name is Todd, I've got Tegan here, and we're looking forward to jumping into hyperspace with you. Let's go! Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dungeon Jedi Masters Podcast Season 3, Episode 9. Tegan, how are you doing today? Doing well. Uh, got a little, little bit of sun this weekend. Uh, my wife and I had some home projects and got to spend the weekend doing that. So tired, but happy we finished everything. Yeah, great weekend to do so. Definitely uh, good weather for it. Uh, those uh, outside chores definitely creep up. Welcome everyone to our episode today. We're going to touch on Wretched Hive's uh, expansion book for Star Wars 5e, go through that. We've touched on bits and pieces of it in previous episodes. Uh, We're going to do a little more of a generic uh, overview and then touch on some things that we haven't looked at yet. Uh, There has been some additions since uh, we've last gone over some other things. So uh, that's what we're going to dive into today and, and let you know what are some good things that maybe you just didn't think to look at to, to bring into your campaigns. Before that, some announcements on our end. Of course, check us out, DungeonJediMasters.com, for access to all of our content, this podcast, our YouTube channel, uh, Twitch channels for live plays, Instagram and Twitter, and, uh, of course, our Patreon, if you would like to support what we do. Uh, Patreon is the best way to do so. And uh, along with that, you do gain access to some exclusive content, including monthly releases, uh, campaign adventures, and other uh, how-to-DM content. And... uh, other things like access to our play-by-post game. We do have some new Patreons as well. Uh, tier two, we have Joe, Carl, who took advantage of the annual discount, Cooked Toast, also annual, and Batu. And Tegan, uh, let us know about one tier three member. Yes, we've got our one tier three member, so shout outs to uh, Felipe, I believe it's pronounced. Uh, thank you for supporting us. Absolutely. Uh, we appreciate it very much. So all of you tier two members, of course, get access to our monthly releases. And then tier three, you get early access to that, as well as, uh, as I mentioned, access to that play-by-post uh, game. So check that out on our Discord. Uh, as we mentioned a bit ago as well, we did hit that amazing 2,000 subscriber mark on YouTube. And we gave away a chance to write your own adventure or have us write an adventure based on your ideas. And we've been working on that with Cakeman, uh, who had won. And uh, we, he has something amazing cooked up. Super excited to bring that to you all. And uh, Tegan, we're looking at Tuesday the 24th for that. Yeah, so that'll be a Tuesday the 24th release. Uh, we've he had some fun ideas, and uh, I think the community will love them. Definitely something we hadn't done in the past, and uh, will be fun to throw it through as a one-shot or even just an adventure for your current party. Definitely. Definitely a little bit different than, I think, as you said, what uh, we usually present. So I think it'll be very exciting. Other content uh, we have as well. Uh, this week, also Thursday, will be Vagrant Freighters episode number four. Uh, so Thursday the 19th, be sure to check that out. We do have another guest uh, appearance on that. Super exciting episode there. And uh, Tegan, episode eight, session eight for Invasion next Tuesday. 
Yeah, so session eight for Invasion. Uh, I'm hoping we'll wrap up. So we're, my party's going through the second adventure that we played out for our Patreons uh, on uh, for the Invasion uh, overall game. Uh, so I'm hoping they're going to wrap up the adventure next Tuesday and keep everything on track. So come join us, especially if you are a Patreon and you've got access to the adventure. Uh, come check it out, see it played live with some of my players and hopefully get some cool ideas for running with your group. Definitely. As we've always said, it's super cool to see that together. Uh, you know, you guys putting that on and then uh, having the adventure as well and see how you might run it differently at your table. Let us know. Also, this Wednesday is the last episode of uh, Chapter 2 of Hut Space Adventures. So if you've been following along, uh, hopefully we'll have our Cathar back this week and uh, see what the group is up to. Uh, last week got a little crazy there at the end. So uh, join us this Wednesday on my Twitch channel for that final session there. That's everything on our end. Uh, we do have four new releases for Star Wars 5e uh, with Steve going on vacation there. He uh, blasted us with a few pieces there. So uh, some good things here. Um, start with a background, the Ex-Cultist. So the Ex-Cultist, uh, you once served alongside fellow neophytes, worshipped at altars to a, a deific entity. And for some reason, you decided to leave that and continue on uh, on your own. Uh, with that, your skill proficiencies include choices of deception, intimidation, investigation, or lore, two of those. Uh, proficiency in the Poisoner's Kit, language of your choice, and uh, equipment, set of common clothes, um, including a robe, symbol of devotion, copy of a blasphemous holy text, a ritual knife, Poisoner's Kit, and a belt pouch with 50 credits. This includes a table to help you decide why you had your change of heart uh, stepping away from the cult uh, with four different options there. Uh, you witnessed a particular gruesome rite and ran for your life, asked the wrong kind of questions and others planned to sacrifice you. Uh, the others took their own lives to ascend and you could not. And lastly, you no longer believed in what you were doing. It seemed wrong. Uh, so you can either roll or choose for those. Uh, the main feature of this background, secret signs. You know the secret symbology of your cult, which can pop up in some surprising places. With a subtle gesture or knowing handshake, you can discern who follows the ways of your dark lord. Cloisters of your cult may be hidden across the galaxy, identified by the secret signs and symbols designed to lead the faithful to places of dark worship. Such cloisters often contain enough lodging and food for at least 10 people for a week and sometimes harbor eldritch treasures belonging to the cult. So still some of that uh, past of yours may come in handy uh, throughout your adventures. Eight background feats to choose from for this, silver-tongued, threatening, investigator, lore master, specialist, linguist, galvanizing presence, or force sensitive. So you can roll or choose from that. And as all backgrounds do, there are suggestions for your traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws. So. Another great addition to the backgrounds there. And this was written by the singular anyone. Great stuff there. Tegan, over to you for a new operative archetype, Shadow Killer Practice. Yeah, so this is a fun one and definitely had some cool, creepy artwork to go along with it, too. Uh, if you want to get uh, your operative on and want to stack up some damage and have your guy be like a poisonous type of assassin, the Shadow Killer Practice is the way to go. Uh, this one's another one, especially because operative, they're, they're always big hit damage, one big hit damage. Uh, they've got a couple things with this that can add to that and also add some uh, utility or uh, some actually uh, crowd control as well, I should say, while you're uh, taking out some of your uh, assassins or targets. 
Uh, so with this, one of the biggest features you get is Venomous, uh, which is a shadow killer practice. Uh, with this, you get proficiency in the Poisoner's Kit. Uh, it's a lot, and also allows you to apply poison as a bonus action. So it definitely kind of frees you up a little bit there too, because typically that takes an action to apply. Uh, the nice thing with this too is uh, you're able to, over a short rest, create two poison vials. Uh, and with these poison vials, uh, you can use it to coat uh, either a vibro weapon, a slug cartridge, or a wrist, uh, wrist launcher dart. Uh, the nice thing with those two is you you coat it with that any creature that's hit by that must make a constitution saving throw uh of a dc8 plus your proficiency bonus and intelligence modifier taking 1d4 poison damage uh plus your intelligence modifier uh poison damage or half as much in a successful save so nice thing especially being operatives on this one this is another way to get your damage even a little bit higher on that side uh and with that too the poison lasts for one minute before drying. Uh, so if you do uh, somebody that has uh, kind of uh, multiple attacks, if you might kind of a multi-class or your operative with a fighter or something that gets you multiple strikes with that dagger, uh, you could really get some cool damage off with it too. Uh, also, as you progress through it, your doses increase in potency uh, as you level up. So it moves from 1d4 to 2d4 at fifth level, uh, at ninth level, 3d4, uh, fifth level, uh, you actually get more doses too. So you get four doses at fifth level as well. Uh, five doses at ninth level. Uh, and as you get to 13th level, you get 44 doses, uh, uh, 44 damage in six doses, and then 5d4 damage uh, at 17th level, keeping it at six uh, doses for the, the poison. Uh, it's outside of that, with the third level, you get some cool uh, ways you can use your sneak attack die in case you don't want to go for damage. Uh, you get three different arts, uh, they call them the dark arts that you practice. Uh, one of them is envenomed art, and this definitely fits well with uh, the theme. You can attempt to poison a target. They have to make a successful constitution saving throw or be poisoned until the end of your next turn. Uh, you can also attempt uh, to use a hallucinatory art uh, and blind the target where they make a wisdom saving throw, uh, or you can do the vanishing art uh, where you faint to moment momentarily disappear from your target's view. Uh, they must make a dexterity saving throw. On a failure, you can move up to 10 feet without provoking an opportunity attack. Uh, so definitely all pretty flavorful. And the nice thing too is they mix up the saves too. So if you uh, go up against somebody that has a high constitution but low wisdom score, you can use a hallucinatory art or vice versa and use the envenomed art. Uh, so definitely a cool one that you can kind of bring to the table and get your assassin on. Uh, and that is, uh, that's actually uh, written by Aziz. Fantastic. Uh, next up for me, I have another uh, fantastic background here, the Jizz Whaler. Uh, as we all know, Jizz is the wonderful uh, musical tradition of Star Wars. And uh, so if you want to be one of the grooviest beings in the galaxy, professional musician versed in the versed in the improvisational style of the Outer Rim known as Jizz. All right. Uh, with this, you get proficiency in two of insight, performance, persuasion, and sleight of hand, uh, tool proficiencies, a musical instrument of your choice, uh, choice of language and equipment, musical instruments, uh, garish hat, a set of common clothes and a belt pouch with 150 credits. Main feature of this background is steady gig. You can always find a place to perform, usually in a cantina or spice den, but possibly in a fine dining establishment, culture center, or even a noble's court. 
At such a place, you receive free lodging and food of a modest or comfortable standard as long as you perform each night. In addition, your performance makes you something of a local figure. When strangers recognize you in a town where you have performed, they typically take a liking to you. For the background feats, uh, choices from empathic, performer, charmer, quick-fingered, entertainer, linguist, feigned confidence, or snappy interjection. And as always uh, with backgrounds, suggestions for your traits, ideals, bonds, and flaws to go along with this. So for those mu musicians out there, definitely a great option. And this was written by Zardos Speaks. Tegan, one last Star Wars 5e release uh, for this episode, and that is a new species. Yeah, so this one's a fun one. It's one I didn't realize we didn't have before, but uh, it's the uh, Masasi species. Uh, for those familiar with them, they are the, uh, kind of, for lack of a better way, Sith slave species. Uh, they were uh, they kind of biologically, uh, genetically kind of tuned and created uh, to be kind of the perfect warriors as well as kind of the perfect laborers as two. Uh, so this is one that uh, kind of helped build the temples on Yavin for uh, two, if you want to kind of see some of the works. Uh, they're big, they're really large red with kind of like a spiky appearance. Uh, definitely one that's kind of a cool, unique one to the lore. Uh, so with these, if you do decide to play as a, a Masasi, uh, you get a constitution increase of plus two, a strength increase of plus one. Uh, with these two, uh, they're kind of bigger guys, so they're set to be between uh, seven and eight feet tall and also gives you that powerful build feature too, uh, allowing you to uh, double the capacity that you can lift, drag, and push. Uh, so that just gives you some extra features there. Uh, also with this too, uh, you get dark vision, which makes sense that uh, they can see up to uh, 60 feet in dim light. Uh, and then it's as if it was uh, kind of a bright light and then darkness as if it was in dim light. Uh, the nice thing with these, uh, the Masasi were force sensitive. So you do get to uh, get the force symbiosis feature, which will allow you to cast your choice of curse, Donmok or hex once per day using your charisma modifier as your casting stat. Other cool thing with this one too, these are big guys. Uh, they've got a pretty thick hide too. So you get the hide feature, uh, which is going to allow you when not well unarmored to, or wearing light armor actually too, uh, your AC is going to equal 13 plus your dexterity modifier. Uh, so it gives you, especially if you're playing something that's a berserker or something where you may not always want to wear armor, it could be a great way to get a little extra AC there. Finally, uh, they've got the oversized feature, uh, which allows for light weapons and viber weapons that lack uh, the dexterity or light property. Uh, they're going to have the heavy property for you. Uh, the nice thing, too, with those is uh, with the strength number for blasters. So if you're using a heavier blaster, like a repeater cannon or something like that, it's going to be reduced by one step. Uh, so if you were at 19 requirement for it, it'd bump it down to 17 and so on. Uh, and if it goes down to 11, you ignore it completely. Uh, so some cool things with this one. Uh, definitely what I, I was surprised we didn't have before, uh, but this was whipped up by uh, both Heresy and uh, Zeppaville too. Awesome. Another great species edition there as well. So uh, if you haven't yet, make sure to dive into all those new releases and check those out. Okay, that is everything on the front end. Let's dive into Wretched Hives, Tegan. Uh, as we mentioned uh, earlier, we have touched on bits and pieces of this, but we're kind of going to look at it as a whole and uh, pick out some other things here. Um, it's got a lot of great content. There's there's lots of good stuff, lots of good additions from the core uh, player's handbook, if you will, and uh, really helps flesh out, um, I don't know if 
you know, you could generalize and, and say it's a little bit more, it's a little bit more about customizations, but I think uh, there's a lot in there that does that. Um, but first things first, and, and something that I think, uh, as we kind of talked uh, pre-show was the intro. There's actually a lot of great information in that introduction to Wretched Hives, and you need to make sure that you're uh, looking into that. For sure. And like, I, even I've missed this before, but I was looking for something I knew was in there. I was like, uh, with one of my players, I'm like, I know that you get free blueprints somewhere, uh, but it's actually stuck in the intro. So the intro for Wretched Hives is actually very important. I know a lot of players, uh, myself included, sometimes skip the intro. With, sometimes it can be a little bit more fluff than content, but not for Wretched Hives. Wretched Hives kind of gets right into the flow uh, of dropping some cool changes and some cool resources that uh, either your players can use or you can kind of give to your players as uh, some additional options. Uh, and one of the biggest, we already kind of mentioned it or gave away the surprise, uh, crafting in blueprints is a pretty integral part of the introduction. Uh, and this is a cool way to uh, kind of show off or give your players some more things that they'd be able to build utilizing their the, the tool proficiencies that they have. Uh, so basically, like, for instance, let's use, uh, you, you've got somebody that's familiar with the, uh, the armor tech uh, implements or uh, tools. Uh, with this, if you've got a PC who has that proficiency, uh, they'd be able to craft all, all, all unenhanced items with that tool. So they'd be able to craft any of the medium, light, and heavy armors uh, that are unenhanced just from the go. They can automatically know how to do that. They can go in and start building that within their, uh, within their downtime. Uh, the cool thing with this, though, is it also gives you uh, knowledge of enhanced blueprints. So you'll know uh, number of enhanced blueprints equal to half your level rounded up. Uh, so for easy numbers, if you are a level four PC, you would have two uh, blueprints per tool that you would know. Uh, so for instance, uh, you could choose two modifications that you knew, uh, you could choose two enhanced armor sets, uh, however you wanted to tilt it, you'd be able to know two of those. Uh, and also, and a lot of DMs are probably panicking at that thought, it does have really good regulations on what rarity of enhanced items they can learn per their level. So for that same level four PC, they would only know standard enhanced item quality. Uh, but it goes up as they level. So a level five PC with no premium, a level nine PC with no prototype, 13 advanced, and then 17 plus would know how to build legendary blueprints. Uh, so just some cool things on that side, especially with the tools, because it just kind of shows a little bit of their, their uh, for lack of a better word, expertise utilizing that tool. They definitely know how to build some things that may not be found in just the average shop. So this kind of allows them to reflect that. It gives them some cool, cool things they can build using their downtime. Or if you're a nice GM or lenient GM, you can even have them have it uh, use some of their uh, pregame downtime uh, to build something to start with, too. Uh, but that was just one of the cool things, and I think often gets left just being in that introduction site, and people may miss it when they're looking through what the cool things Wretched Hive has. Yeah, absolutely. A great chunk there to uh, to go over and, and read and understand. Uh, and jumping out of the intro for a quick second, tacking on with the blueprints, though, of course, there is another section on learning blueprints, which kind of falls under the crafting downtime. So after you, you know, go over that uh, initial blurb about craft, uh, about blueprints, sorry, and then, um, you know, you can expand that information and, and how that's further utilized in the crafting downtime as Tegan kind of uh, touched on and, and uh, what you further uh, utilize that. Uh, Tegan, let's go back to the intro though. What else does that section have for us? 
So this is another cool one that can often get forgotten. Engineers, if you're playing engineer in the game and your uh, DM is allowing the Wretched Hives book, go read the introduction section. There's so many cool things you guys get uh, with this book since a lot of it is focused on uh, crafting, uh, enhanced items, modifications. Uh, they kind of hook you guys up if you're an engineer with this. Uh, so the biggest kind of couple changes on this side uh, with your, so engineers, each of the different archetypes has a special focused item uh, that they kind of craft using their archetype and allows them to add different modifications to it. The nice thing with the Wretched Hives rules for engineers uh, is it allows you to use modifications that may be not from your, uh, so not from your enhanced items. So you could use regular modifications and then add them to your, whatever that focus is that you're using for the engineer class. Alongside that too, is they're not restricted by rarity uh, for your engineer class specific item. So if you, your DM decided to do a roll table and somehow you got a legendary item or a legendary modification at level four, you could throw that right onto your uh, engineer item and you'd be good to go where the others would have to wait and potentially find an enhanced chase, uh, chassis uh, to be able to upgrade it. So cool feature on that side. Uh, the other nice thing too uh, with this is the engineering uh, specific class specific chassis are not restricted to only one of each type of modification. Uh, so for instance, if you wanted to be an arms tech engineer and just go for crit fishing, you could go through and add multiple keen items to your uh, chassis. Uh, the restriction that it does have uh, is that the number of bonuses for specific bonus types, so if you had multiple keens, cannot exceed half of your engineering proficiency rounded up. Uh, so for instance, if you were a level five character, your proficiency bonus would be plus three. Uh, so that'd give you two that you could add on there. So you could have two plus however many uh, key modifications. Uh, the last big thing with this one too, uh, is it allows you to actually have multiple augments too in your uh, chassis. Uh, so the augments, uh, if you get to that section, usually I think you have to have a prototype item uh, or maybe advanced. Uh, but the, once you get to that, you can add in things that change your overall attributes. So you can get an uh, augment that gives you a plus one to charisma or plus two to strength. Uh, and usually you can only have one of those types of things in your chassis. But as an engineer, you can have up to another half of your proficiency bonus uh, rounded up uh, worth of augments in your uh, items. So for a level five character, you could have plus two and kind of goes up and up and up as you level. Awesome. Yeah, great uh, addition there. It looks like that uh, in, the, in the last big update to the system uh, that I believe that engineering section may have been a new addition. So... Um, but a worthwhile one uh, in including the other stuff. Uh, anything else in the intro that stuck out, uh, Tegan? Uh, those are the big things. Uh, we've already touched on the new rules for proficiency tiers and uh, critical saving throws with uh, Galley's interview or Steve's interview. Uh, so I won't go over those again. Uh, the only other thing I would mention, and this is something that I know some people use as a house rule, uh, but the careful checks is a kind of a cool thing you can add in there. Uh, and basically, this is something, a uh, check where time really isn't a factor, uh, but chances of failure still are. Uh, basically, if you'd have a regular roll, uh, you could just add plus 10 to whatever your modifiers are. Uh, like, for instance, if you are looking to install a modification into your ARMS tech uh, implements, you could do that and just say, hey, I want to take 10 on this so you don't have to roll. And then you add 10 plus whatever your attribute and uh, proficiency bonus are for that item. 
Uh, so this gives you kind of a cool one, especially for those ones where it seems like you just had unlimited time. It's not really going to be uh, your character's competent enough to get it done. This is a good way to add that to the RP. Awesome. Yeah, that's always a great rule there because, uh, you know, you never want to roll and, and unless you have consequences, there should always be consequences to a roll. You shouldn't just roll to roll. So uh, definitely a great little rule there. So uh, continuing on, of course, so the next uh, chapter is we look at entertainment and downtime, which uh, we have covered previously. So dig out that episode there. Um, I don't believe there's been any major changes with that, uh, but a great section nonetheless. Um, a lot of good stuff, whether you use that in a kind of in-between session aspect or you bring that up maybe at the beginning or end of a session uh, and do it live. Uh, a lot of good stuff there. And I think uh, especially where there's a lot of like, you know, solo play or something one-on-one -on -one where each each player can do their own little thing. Uh, so that could really draw out some stories uh, from that. Uh, Tegan, we've used uh, downtime a lot in, in various games. Uh, anything that sticks out with that? Definitely. It's one of those things I always like to work in, too. And uh, there's the nice thing now, especially with how many options they have, uh, there's so many ways you can have your places flavor it, too, especially if they're looking to, like, uh, a lot of something I've been doing with my invasion campaigns, just kind of asking them what they want to do versus kind of what downtime activity they want to do. Uh, because after finding what they want to do, a lot of times you can kind of mold a downtime activity to that using, like, the same checks and uh, kind of requirements for it, uh, but allowing them to kind of fit the narrative of what they want their PC to do uh, just in that brief respite from the adventures. Yeah, I think that's actually an excellent point, uh, you know, rather than pigeonholing them maybe into a specific downtime, make it what fits. So awesome. Uh, next after that is the factions uh, chapter. I think we've touched on that before as well. And I know that I, I believe down the road, Galley has talked about uh, kind of a, a whole different uh, book for that to, to expand on that. But uh, take a look there. Um, and then ability scores chapter just further uh further going over that aspect of the game. Uh, but the next one that we'll kind of come and touch on is equipment, uh, chapter five. There's a lot of good stuff here uh, in Wretched Hives that has expanded on what the uh, player's handbook has uh, provided. Uh, Tegan, what are some initial things from the equipment chapter to, to make note of? Definitely, so this is a huge chapter, especially if you're reading it online. Uh, so there's a lot of cool things with this. Uh, the, the, probably the first things and what they I'd recommend any DM to do, but even the players as you're looking for different things, go through and read the different uh, attribute types or different item, uh, weapon, and armor, and uh, just all the different classifications with it, uh, because it goes over different functions or different attributes that you can add to your weapons or armor, or just uh, the different things that already have attached to them, and what they mean and kind of how they change the game. Uh, so this one is one chapter where it has everything laid out for there, uh, versus having to kind of go through and find them as you read certain items. So this would be a good way to just kind of stay ahead of the curve and learn what everything can do and have a general idea on it. Yeah, the properties is, yeah, that you're I think you're talking about, Tegan, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, they're all there in a list. Uh, and I think you would, as you also said, there's a, a lot of info here. Bounce back and forth between one, the uh, basically the this chapter, chapter five, uh, to read those. And then if you go on the website to the equipment section and then sort your content by Wretched Hives, and, and then that'll help you look through when you're specifically looking for a piece of equipment or whatever. Um, and just sort through it that way because otherwise it's a pretty long list. Um, you know, some of the things uh, in recently in Hut Space, uh, we utilized uh, some spice, and that's something that I haven't actually utilized in a campaign yet. Uh, but there's actually a lot of uh, good things there, and I know there's some other things as well um, that stands out. 
definitely the spice are a fun one. Uh, they've got alcohol too. Uh, they've got the uh, the addiction rules, which are pretty fun. Uh, I've got two players in invasion, uh, both kind of fighting different addictions. Uh, so those are kind of cool rules that go along with that, uh, especially if you've got uh, playing the attic berserker. Uh, come check out this section. That's going to be rules that are going to really kind of dictate your play style a little bit. Uh, man, there's so much cool stuff in this. Uh, even outside of the alcoholic beverages and spice, uh, just different things you can kind of throw in uh, with your players just to make the world feel a bit more lived in and real. Uh, you've got all the, the different tools and different things like that and kind of what they mean. Uh, you've got uh, some prosthesis too. So uh, Star Wars losing limbs is pretty common. Uh, they go over the, the prosthesis rules uh, as well as the uh, kind of what each area would be for it too. So just some kind of really fun things and things you may not initially think of uh, kind of generate some ideas if you're brainstorming. Absolutely. Massive chapter. Definitely take a look and uh, comb through that when you can. Lots of, of great stuff to add to your campaign. So after equipment, you get to chapter six in Wretched Hives, which is customization options. And many of this stuff you might, uh, especially if you're utilizing the, this expanded content, you know, feats and features and things like that. Uh, so you might be familiar with that. But again, another just plethora of options for your character. So be sure to uh, dive through that and see what is available there. A lot of things I'm sure we've kind of covered here and there as they've released and whatnot. Uh, the next chapter, though, we'll kind of stop on is uh, seven enhanced items. Uh, so enhanced items is is the first time that this comes up in the system. Uh, we don't have this uh, element, this aspect in uh, the PHB. And enhanced items are very, very cool feature of the system, a very unique feature, I think, to the system. And uh, it just adds a lot of versatility to what you can do with your equipment. For sure, it opens a lot of doors on this side. Uh, and this chapter kind of really goes through just the ins and outs of enhanced items uh, and really how to bring them to your table and kind of make them feel real. Uh, so one of the first things that goes over is how to identify enhanced items. Uh, so that's going to be a good one, especially if you throw something, uh, maybe like Alien, like maybe throw something from Mercadon Tech in front of your players and they've got to figure out what exactly it is. And uh, that can be a little bit of a, a Kind of a little mini game from on that side just to figure out what item and kind of what it does and kind of what the effects are with it as well. Uh, they even have some rules for cursed items too, in case you want to throw some forced uh, dark side cur cursed items at them as well. Uh, but outside of just kind of going over the rarity uh, as well as uh, how to identify them, uh, it gives some cool tips on how to price them uh, as well as how to award enhanced items too. Uh, I know a lot of people get worried about how many enhanced items their players should have by level. Uh, and it goes over by kind of your party size and how many enhanced items the crew should have all together uh, by each of the major level tiers. So this could be a good one, especially if you're getting a little bit worried, like, uh, am I giving too little, giving too much? Come check this out. Uh, it just really gives a good uh, good starting point. And some people may say, hey, I want to go more. Some may say, I want to go less. But this gives you just kind of a good spot to, to jump off from as you're going through it. Yeah, definitely a great uh, little table to follow along and, and help out with that. In addition to the equipment and whatnot, uh, this chapter also goes over the modifiable items, uh, another massive uh, part of this of the system. For sure, it goes in depth on the modifi or the modifiable items. Uh, it goes over how many slots each of the chassis will have. Uh, it goes over the DCs for installing or removing uh, certain enhanced modifications into your chassis. Uh, it just it really just 
dives all in. And uh, the nice thing too, is it goes over uh, kind of how to just really make sure that sometimes uh, the enhanced size, if you don't go through some of the additional rules, can just kind of feel like a, uh, just not feel unique, but by using these and kind of having your players install them and uh, kind of know exactly what each of the rarity of their pieces are, uh, just really allows them to kind of build out their own weapon and really make it feel unique to them and kind of have their own story behind it too. So definitely want to recommend checking out and uh, kind of make sure you're kind of implementing it close to the rules as written for your table. And this is another one too. Make sure you go through that written chapter, chapter seven there in the rule book, and then also you know, when you get to looking up those items, uh, even with the update of, of paring things down, there's still a lot of options out there. Switch over to the tables and, uh, you know, sort through if you're looking for certain things for, uh, you know, clothing, weapons, etc. cetera. Uh, dig through that as well. Definitely use those in tandem. Uh, one of the last things here is uh, chapter eight, tool proficiencies. And I know there were some updates to this as well. And this is a great section. If you haven't gone over this yet, you should. Uh, because and it's still being fleshed out but a lot of times you get players that say what does this do what is what is the really purpose of this tool and this chapter does that and very well uh, going over most of the tools and giving examples of how to use them 100 percent. and one of the things we touched on in the introduction too is when you are proficient with an enhanced tool or without proficient with a regular tool you get a certain amount of blueprints that you can build for enhanced items uh, and there's a chart at the beginning of this chapter that goes over what each tool set uh what items they handle uh so this is be great for kind of knowing what blueprints your players may know and uh kind of having your players kind of pick out uh, those ahead of time for the campaign so check out that and even for not using that function there's so many tools that sometimes you can forget what does what. Uh, this is a great area just to kind of go through and say, this is what they do. This is what they govern. Because uh, like bioanalyst and biochemist, for me, that's like, that would be a hard one to say, what's is which on this one? Uh, but they break it down to exactly what they can do and kind of what they can craft and modify. Uh, one of the things they're bringing into it too, and they're still kind of fleshing this out, and it's an ongoing task, but they're building in different kind of DCs and activities and different resources that your tools can help with and ways you can use them outside of just crafting. Uh, so to pick on arms tech for a, a bit, uh, it gives you a couple of different options that you can do for it, like uh, the easy, like repair weapons. Uh, that's definitely something you should be able to do. It gives you some DCs on that side too, to repair a broken blaster or vibro weapon. Uh, you can also use it, these tools to identify enhanced blasters and weapons. Uh, but it also gives you some other things you can do too that may be a little bit or you may not have think of initially. Uh, it also gives you uh, so like a little bit of lore too. So you get your expertise lends you an additional insight when examining blasters and weapons, uh, as well as investigation and perception. Uh, it allows you to spot clues and make deductions that others might overlook when an investigation involves a blaster or vibro weapon. So this could be a good one, especially if you're doing like a mystery adventure where you're trying to figure out exactly who may have killed somebody or the kind of research into something. This could be some cool things you can bust out your arms text tools do and see if you can spot some clues or see if your expertise may lend a little bit of extra insight to what's going on. Yeah, I love those suggestions there of, of sometimes they're just it's straight up a skill. It's saying here's how you can utilize the skill with that because you might not think, all right, arms tech tools that's obviously related to my weapons. 
you know, how can I bring that into a lore check? Well, here you go. It, it gives you that suggestion. Um, you know, just looking at some of the other ones, uh, you know, bioanalyst kits, investigation suggestions, a medicine check, nature survival. Uh, so that, that is something I love about this chapter is, is those suggestions on how to utilize the tools. Because I think as a player, you should always be trying to gain advantages. You know, if you have a tool, if you have something, you know, make an argument to your GM uh, about a check. If, if it's a check for something, make a good argument and, and, you know, maybe you'll get to utilize that and, and that helps out. So definitely a great aspect of this chapter. That uh, I think pretty much wraps up uh, Wretched Hives, kind of a quick uh, run through that there. Tegan, any last thoughts on, uh, on that uh, expansion as a whole? Uh, my biggest ones be taking a look through these gems, especially if you've only looked at it from uh, kind of just look, looking through like equipment sections and the, from the overall website, haven't looked at the overall writings or kind of what the, the, the rules is written, say, go through, take a few minutes, kind of dive into it. Uh, there's a lot of things that can add some cool ideas or just some things you may not have kind of read the overall rules for that can enhance your play. So take a look. It's not too long. Uh, it just really has some neat stuff in there. Yeah, that's the biggest thing is, as you said, just uh, double that, look in all the explanations of how to utilize the content. Absolutely. All right. Well, that does wrap it up for today's episode. We hope that gives you some insight on uh, some of the awesome things in Wretched Hives and, and helps direct you. Uh, you should just read it all, but uh, you know, if you get started, the things to highlight at least. Uh, if there's something that we didn't touch on, let us know as well. Let us know what's your favorite part of Wretched Hives and, and how you're using that in your campaign. Uh, next episode, which will be, we've got an extra week in the way here. So, um, we'll be back though on the 7th in June and we'll likely be doing another DM spotlight. Don't have that scheduled yet, but keep an eye out for another, uh, member of our community that we'll talk to about their experience with tabletops and star Wars 5e. In the meantime, thank you as always to all of our listeners, followers, and subscribers. Come check out Hut Space Adventures tomorrow, Wednesday night, and then uh, keep an eye out for Vagrant Freighters on Thursday and uh, Tegan Invasion the next Tuesday on the 24th. Lots of good Star Wars 5e content coming for all of you. Uh, appreciate it very much. We'll see you on the next one. May the Force be with you. May the Force be with you. <laughs>